think we're in a very exciting time to be alive culturally. And But if you want change, you have to be comfortable that there's no blueprint. episode, we sat down with David Fishbein and Joey Miller, who are founders of the Runyon Group. Runyon is a culturally curious real estate group based in Los Angeles, and they have created some projects across the globe that are innovative, forward thinking, and rooted in design. Having a more intimate conversation with both of these gentlemen really shows that they have been super thoughtful and intentional in how you create something timeless and also bring social relevance to the forefront. These men are innovators and also phenomenal executors. Let's get into it. My girls, my guys, my group. This is MG Method, the show. How did you both meet? The origin story. A friend introduced us and she had a wonderful line. She says, uh, to me, she says, I know you have a, an interesting vision and I know someone who can actually maybe help you realize it. And to David, she said, I met someone <laughs> and he's got big ideas and no ability to actually do it. And so she set us up at a breakfast. It's like essentially a blind date. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 25 or 26 and you were probably 23, 24, if I got the numbers right. And from that moment, she was exactly right. I had at that young age, an idea of something that I wanted to create in my head. I think David at that point had the skills to, to actually do it and had the same vision in his head. And it really took the two of us together to be able to actually make it happen. And I think it's a good sort of parable for how we've built the company and, and what we're still doing today, which is the combination of, you know, two people, two sets of skills, art, you know, meets uh, business, you know. Um, but it, it, I think that's a good lesson that it takes sort of two uh, personalities, two skill sets to, to do what we do ultimately. So the, the origin story is a good story, I think. Yeah. And it was funny because we like, when we first met, like we had no idea that we were going to get into business together. Like it was just like almost like kind of this, the first year I had just moved to Los Angeles. I had only been there for six months and was trying to like forge a career in, in commercial brokerage. And I had really developed this in a very short period of like a year and a half prior of like graduating college, like working with interesting, you know, designers and brands on kind of their expansion and, you know, really had no like kind of idea of, you know, development and what it was like to like build a property. And, you know, he had this kind of whole other background of construction and development and like together again, like we kind of were able to kind of put together this unique vision with our different skill sets. But it was one breakfast. That's the truth. One started one breakfast. On from there. <laughs> How do you think that people start to become aware to realize, like, by removing their ego, I need support with this other thing? How do you guys balance doing that and recognizing I could use that support and he has something that maybe would benefit a, a greater group if I could acknowledge that? I think we were pretty different in that. <laughs> Joey was like, when we first met, was always like, I will never have a business partner. <laughs> I can do everything on my own. Et cetera. And I was always like, I want a business partner. Like I need to like find someone to like work with. And 
and never wanted to be solo. So it was interesting because like for the first year and a half or so that we knew each other, we weren't actually business partners. We were working very closely together, but um, I was kind of like dabbling, like trying to get into these like other business partnerships and, you know, looking for really somebody to like help me, you know, build what I wanted to do in Los Angeles. And I think after a year and a half working together, he like sat me down for lunch. And he's like, like, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, why don't we just partner up? And I was like, you've literally been telling me for the last year and a half, you don't want to. Well, I remember partner. it different. It was almost a capitulation. <laughs> I said, you, you're because we were doing business together at the time. When we first met, we are each of our companies, companies, our me one, and him, our one man, our company. one person companies. <laughs> we were doing business together. And he would always come and he'd say, oh, I'm talking to this person and maybe we're going to partner up and this person. And I knew these people. I said, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. These people are terrible. <laughs> uh, so finally, I think we were in New York. And I said, uh, we, were, we were going to call on a bunch of different companies to, to come be part of the place that we're sitting now. I just said, look, I give up. I said, you can't keep talking to these people. I said, you want a partner? I'll be your partner. We'll figure it out. Yeah, not knowing that, I, you know, frankly, I didn't think that I had much to offer in the things that David wanted to pursue, which was mostly helping these companies expand. I thought, well, I know about construction, I know about development, but um, I, I would call it, um, there's, there's strategic laziness rather than the surrendering of ego. Um, <laughs> knowing, you know, it's funny, I have two very successful relationships. I've been with my wife, I'm 38. We were 14 when we met, um, so that's a long time. And David and I have been, had a very successful business partnership for many, many years. And it's about, um, you know, knowing where you might be good and being okay with not doing everything. So I, I suppose it could be a surrendering of ego. I like to look at it, like I said, as a strategic laziness. Like why on earth, if, and, and, and I'll tell you what's at the basis of all of it, is trust and respect in both relationships that I described is understanding that the thing that the next person is doing is as important or more important or whatever than the things that you're doing. So that, that sort of respect of, of what they're doing and what they're contributing. And then the trust, you know, knowing that they're gonna conduct themselves in, a, in the way that, that you would or better than you would is, is important, you know? Yeah. And, and David would argue that Sometimes it doesn't get done the way that he want, would want it done. But, you know, it's the person's way. Yeah. And I think that what's nice is that we've always been 50-50 in everything. And, and as business evolves, you know, when you're in business for 12 years like we have, like there's certain times where one person's maybe contributing more to the bottom line than the other or we're doing more on one project than the other. But there's this, this common knowledge and, and trust, as they said, that like we're all working towards a, a real goal and and growth together and that, you know, it isn't about like, you know, tit for tat and like who's doing more at one time, but that together we're really building something. And I think we've been always really great that like it's never been, you know, again, getting that ego involved where like, oh, like this is my project or this is your project, but like really working together and, and building each other up where like one of us might be weaker than the other. And so... It's, it's really been an incredible relationship that, you know, just I, I sometimes just like am shocked when I look back at like what we've done, like in a short period of time and just go like, wow, this is crazy. But it, I think it also springs from confidence, right? Like, yeah. you, like, I think that a lot of times people have bad reactions because they don't feel confident in themselves, right? Like, it, like this is in any relationship, someone could say, 
man, I don't know what that person's up to. Are they trying to, you know, oh, I don't feel good, right? But if, if you're just there and doing your thing and always marching towards that common goal, I think that that, that comes. It's probably confidence builds, right, into trust and then obviously respect of, of each other's contributions. Yeah. But, and knowing that we're going toward, I suppose, knowing that you're going towards the same place, a shared common vision. I, I think say. we're both like insanely curious. Like we're just like always like reading and like, you know, traveling and like going to the new interesting restaurant or interesting gallery or store. And like, we both have this like incredible passion for discovery and, and uncovering things. And, you know, not just like sitting easy and being like, okay, we're successful. Like we can just like lay back and like do whatever we want now. Like it, there's this constant drive and hunger to continue to innovate and to continue to uncover and find other entrepreneurs as well that are doing things that inspire us. And so I think for us, like our business is, is you know, if you look at like our past trajectory of 12 years from, you know, you know, being in brokerage, having platform as a development and now being retailers where we have these stores like it's just they might seem like kind of all like different segments but like really they're all truly driven by like things that we're interested in and not necessarily things that we had backgrounds in and i think there's again this confidence that like just because we're not experts in something so to speak like we literally had no experience in retail we'd never worked in a store we'd never bought for I a worked store. in a store oh he, had, he was an <laughs> abercrombie, abercrombie and fitch oh. right here 15 years old <laughs> <laughs> but you know again there's this this again confidence that like just because uh, a path is uncharted for us that doesn't mean that we won't be really great at it it just takes a lot of hard work and and failure it takes making mistakes over and over again to learn how to do something and i think that we're not afraid to get our hands dirty but also to like fail and be like okay that was a mess up but like how do we correct it was there a specific moment in which you guys like realize that the world doesn't have to look the way that it does you know like what for you what was each of those moments if you had one that was like a defining moment of like no this is going to be done very differently and Do you I'm okay with that moment? defining moment of like just in general of like business or, or? The, yeah specifically like the what you guys have built here you know it's very non-conventional compared yeah. to the way that the sphere of LA looks so you at some point realize like I'm gonna do this really differently and maybe people weren't supportive of that initially <laughs> yeah <laughs> to say the least. yeah, yeah. I, th I mean I think that for us like there was like kind of this underlying belief that if we you know as again people interested in, in design and great food and, and fashion um, felt like there was a place that was missing or that there was a spot in Los Angeles that didn't exist, that there would be other people that would like love like the types of things that we were interested in. So it was like a, maybe a little bit of like arrogance or like, you know, just like, hey, like we can't be like the only ones that like are craving this this destination. And I think that with, with here in Culver City, like it was just, it, it was certainly pioneering when we, we bought this property. Like this was not a part of town where like people were like coming for interesting stores or restaurants. And certainly like when we told people that we were doing this, they're like, this is not a great idea. Like, you know, you should probably like do something much safer or like, you know, put in a drugstore. Someone told like, me that, that it wasn't going to be the last thing that we did and that we didn't have to try and get all of our ideas into one building. It was the funniest idea. 100%. Which is a normal thing to do. Most people don't 
it's shocking to me because the answer to your question is I never had a, like, I was born like this. It's wild. Like from, and I reflect back frankly on like elementary school or high school and like, like there was never a moment where I didn't think this was a good idea. You know, most people, they hem and they haw and they say, I don't know. And they think, and that's why most people end up being, doing more conventional things. I've, Small kids, right? Eight-year-old, five-year-old, and almost a one-year-old. My son, who's more like my wife than me, they don't like loud voices. Like if me and David are talking and we're about raucous and right, they don't. They said, "Why are you? Why are you fighting?" I said, "We're well, not fighting. We're just kind of yelling at each other. I don't know." And and that's like ninety-five percent of the population doesn't like conflict. Ninety-nine percent of the population doesn't like conflict. Doesn't like sort of loud voices. It's an uncomfortable feeling to have disagreements. And for me personally, like I've just never, upon reflecting back on childhood, been worried about that. Like I always thought it was a fine thing to get up, have a disagreement with someone, a passionate disagreement, and move on and like be friends. And I think that that's the same thing here. Like I never thought for a minute, like, wow, we're really like bucking the trend. We're really doing something different. I was like, it just seems like a good idea. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And everyone's like, well, like, the, like no one's done it before. Like, but, but that was just intrinsic. And I think it's part of the idea of like not worrying about conflict and not worrying about being different. Like it never, <laughs> I'll finish here. David and I had uh, the, the, the running argument that we had for years was I said, you know, in, in between the two of us, when people meet us, they think that you're the weird one, right? Look at me. I, and this is, David is recently married, but I said, look at me. I'm normal. You know, I'm, I'm married. I have kids. I'm existing in this wor suburban world of LA, suburban urban world of LA. I, right. And he's like, no, you're like so weird. Like everyone. Well, I thought it weird. was like the craziest thing ever <laughs> that like after being partners for so long, people like I not that like we're all strange. Don't yeah. get me like wrong. But like but then I was I was, I was like literally like weird. Joey, like no one thinks this. Like, <laughs> right. You could ask anyone who knows both of us and they will all say that you're like the more eccentric. Right. One. So so the answer to the question for is sure. when did you have this realization? <laughs> it's like it just like to me, this is totally normal. Like this is a big success. Like it was like, of course, we were going to do this. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there was never a doubt in my mind. Just because everyone else did it a different way didn't mean that that was the only way it could be done. Yeah. I mean, I think I, like, had a different, like, take on it. I mean, I definitely, like, <laughs> I'm definitely not someone that in general loves conflict. But I like the idea of, like, I'm, like, totally fine being uncomfortable. So, like, mm -hmm. I don't, like, choose to, like, get into situations where, like, you know, like, getting into it necessarily. But I think that... I don't know, I've just always been driven by the idea of like things not necessarily like needing to be the same everywhere. Like traveling since a, ch a child, like I mean, I was always just super interested in urban planning and like the way that cities grew and the way that neighborhoods evolved. And like I just became like really frustrated like going around to different places and seeing all the same stores and restaurants. And so for me, like a lot of this, you know, with doing like a platform was just like, I saw like an issue happening in so many places and I just truly wanted to create like a solution for people like me that, you know, didn't want to go to a city and just find all the same things that they found in every other city around the, like the world. And so when we did platform, it was just like obvious, even though this neighborhood wasn't obvious that like if we were able to compile like enough interesting businesses, like people would want to come to it and flock to it because I knew that I was that person. I knew Joey was that person. Like as soon as we were reading about like the new restaurant, some weird up and coming area or the interesting store, like we were in our car and we were over there and we were <laughs> checking it out and we're like, okay, like 
there must be other people like us that want that too. And so, you know, platform was definitely not obvious, but as I said, like in different ways, we both felt it was obvious to do. And it, and, and, and to follow up, it bothered, it bothers me when things seem like good ideas and no one's doing them. Like it, it actually bothers me when I look at politics or culture or business. And I'm like, you, you say like, but you shouldn't do it that way. It doesn't make sense. And they're like, well, that's the way it's done. Nothing gets me going more than that. So the combination, <laughs> I hate it because yeah. it's stupid. It's, it's just, it's, it's like, we should be doing the things that we should be doing because of the right reasons. And if you can make an intellectual argument for something and prove it, like think it through, you should go do it regardless of whether like it's what people do or not. And I think it's the combination of like the things that we were interested in, plus that sort of slightly rebellious attitude, I would say. Um, There's definitely a lot of rebellious attitude with us. Like yeah. we hate being told, A, we hate being told what to do by other people. <laughs> and secondly, like we hate being told that we can't do something. So again, like going back to this retail store, like when we decided to get into the retail business, people were like, this is the dumbest idea we've ever heard. Like you guys are in real estate, stick to real estate. Retail sucks. Menswear sucks. Don't do it. And we were like, great, we're doing it. <laughs> um, so again, I feel like in, in a lot of ways, we you know, are driven by our own passions, but we're also driven by like people thinking we can't do something, especially if we really believe in it. So I don't know what that says about us. But. Yeah. Do you guys find, you know, whenever you are rebellious in this way and you do have those, that change, and I think that people really want change right now, socially, culturally, but then you realize once that change happens that there are consequences or there are effects to that. What would you say, having now created this space, are ways that you could help people mitigate some of the negative effects of, of change in any space? <laughs> that is a very interesting idea. And I'm going to answer it with a, non, a slight non-answer, so I'll try and think of a real answer. But, but the truth is, if you're, you know, if you do want to change things, and I do agree, I think that it's like an incredibly exciting time in the world. And I like studying history and understanding what's happened before. I think we're in a, a very exciting time to be alive culturally. And but if you want change, you have to be comfortable that there's no blueprint that. For example, what we're doing here, there is no one that we can go to and ask, well, you know, you did this and what were the challenges? Like it's, we're, we're blazing a new trail. And I think it's the same, let's just say in culture, as you're changing, you know, you can look to references and try and be smart about it, but like no one's going to tell you what to do. That's like kind of part of the deal, right? Like if you want to be someone who's doing this stuff, who's involved with new ideas, you have to be comfortable that there are new ideas and, and there's no one that's going to be able to sort of tell you that. So I wish I had advice for folks, um, that were, uh, that were within their own space that were trying to do this. The only thing that I can think of is like, you have to be open to, to swerving around and to mm. changing course and certainly to failure. Like yeah. it's just not something that concerns me. I think like, failure has to be like a big piece of it because I think that like, the second you get to a place where you're so like crippled by this fear of failure and like not doing things perfectly, I think it becomes impossible to really change in an effective way. I think that, you know, for us again, like the ability to get into something and 
fail over and over and over again is the only way that we've actually been able to change our businesses because that's where success comes. Like you're, you're able to pinpoint where you need to like evolve and like how you can do things differently. Again, we've never been like, hey, like we want to just do things status quo and just continue on the same path that everyone else is doing. Like we've always wanted to be like, okay, like you know, we've, I guess I think we've always been believers that like, you know, experience isn't necessarily like the driver of success. Like sometimes having a lack of experience and coming into something with eyes wide open and not having all these like preconceived notions about how something should run, like actually create change in an industry and, and business because you're coming in with like a total outsider eye. So but I tell like my son and, and the kids on his baseball team, they say, oh man, I'm a little nervous to go up to bat or whatever. I said, I'm so jealous of you. Like I'm so jealous of, of the people who are nervous about doing things because that's such an incredible feeling. And I actually, it's funny, we're, we're trying to put some new stuff together oh, now. So and I yeah. just started feeling it this morning. I had a little bit of a thing in my stomach, like, oh my God, like, what are we doing? Like, am I, you know, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, we're back. You know what I mean? Um, now, I'm generally the more anxious of us. <laughs> but you gotta have, you gotta have small failures too, right? Like, yeah. like and you gotta move quickly on them. And you have to acknowledge the things that you didn't do right and fix them slowly. That we're not advocating for big gigantic flops on your face. Yeah, yeah. Look, like, <laughs> you got you got to be smart and be calculated. And you can't just be like you know throw everything. Like you know we make calculated risks, but at the same time, like and we have small fast failures. I would argue too. Yeah, we we move quickly from them. We don't like sit and dwell mm. and go like oh my god we're not gonna like get into something else now because this didn't work. Like it's like okay like what did we learn from this? Like let's move on. How do you guys create space in your daily routine to do that? Like, I want to know, like, what are you, what do you do on your normal, your typical day that allows you, like, the playground of failure? A, that's an excellent question. Um, I don't know. I know. I'm probably, like, a worse example of that because, <laughs> like, again, as I said, like, I'm inherently an anxious person. But, like, over the years, I've really worked to, like, be able to handle, like, uncertainty and handle, like, you know, just we're in a very high pressure, like anxiety provoking business. Like, you know, we don't have like a set income every year. Like everything is like always like up for grabs. And like, you know, you're always like kind of pushing for your next dollar and figuring that out. So I think for me, you know, I, I think that it, it's been longevity of just doing this long enough, like that you see that even though there is that uncertainty that like in general, like if you work hard and like keep pushing forward, like you'll figure things out. And then just like on a practical basis, I mean, like, you know, exercise, like that to me is like my big thing is like taking that time every single day to be able to just like kind of like mentally unset and like get some endorphins running. And that like really helps me just like stay balanced. And it's having a great partner. It's like being able to communicate. Like, I think that in general, like I found that over the years, like you'll get more anxious about like certain things and like we'll be like bugging out and then I'll be like anxious <laughs> about other. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> I definitely bug out more, but like that, like we're able to like, we don't usually like bug out about the same thing. Like yeah, usually one of us so, will be mm. like calm and balanced about something like really confident. And the other one of us will be like, okay, like now I feel like better because we're able to talk about it. So. We've gotten much more mellow over the years. I'll say both of us, you know, we, we would go through volatile periods at the beginning, not like volatile, like most people would say, and never mad at each other, but like, you know, David would be down for a couple of weeks. Then I'd be down for a couple. We're not, you know, we're much more even, let me tell you something, when you, when you have a day or when I have a day 
and you wake up in the morning and it's done. That's 11 o'clock at night. You just came home from dinner and you go to sleep. You're exhausted. I will pop up at three in the morning and just be like, what's going on? Right. And then I'll lay there for two hours and basically like, you know, you guys have done this before. I'm sure like, like the whole, you can't go to sleep. Right. That was so, this morning. <laughs> was it? I, I just think it's like what it shows me is the thing that that my answer to that is that I always joke like I don't need a therapist because all I do is talk all day, right? If you're able to process your feelings and thoughts on a real-time basis, you know, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Like the reason that you pop that I pop up personally at two or three in the morning after a long day, like you would think, oh, you're exhausted, but no. You haven't had the time to give yourself time to just think. Like, I, sometimes I look and I see my daughter in her room and she's just like looking at the ceiling. Like she's sitting on the ground looking at the ceiling. And I'm just like, that's me. Like, it's that sort of like doing nothing time is so important for yourself. And then being able to talk to someone about how you feel. Like, I've seen so many people in life uh, that are harboring such like, feelings inside of them and they calcify and then they grow other feelings on top of them and by the time they finally get out they're like these weird second and third effect feelings that like if you just dealt with the first one you would have been fine you know what i mean so i tend to help in this sort of concept of failure and growth by giving myself time to go on a run or go on a walk or just lay and sit and look at the ceiling for 20 minutes uh, to process and then also just to talk all the time, like just go okay. yeah. because because <laughs> yeah, you know, you we can... each have to find our own way to do that. I think it's extremely important to be able to process and be healthy. So you strategically plan that out in your day, would you say, or I think like... frankly, it's through what David mentioned, which is exercise. Yeah, that's I, I the only that, strategic thing I have. Like that's where it comes. Yeah, that, so like a lot of people, they meditate or they have time for like thinking or whatever. It's uh, it's nothing that planned. And oftentimes it's on the weekend. I get it's almost like the week everything is so tight and 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 choreographed, and then on the weekend you just randomly have a thought, or you're on a bike ride or on a run, and the thought or working out and thought comes in, and it's just it's it's accepting and allowing for that. But yeah, I mean, there's a Yiddish term called the spilkies. It means you can't stop moving, you know? So I think that like- all tough cases. It's just the idea of like meditation or, you know, Joey thinking time probably wouldn't be particularly effective for me. It's the, <laughs> it's the adjunct to moving that, that gets the brain working for me. What are you guys both curious about right now? What are things that are piquing your interest at this time? I mean, I, I'm out. Yeah, what do you have? There's so much stuff like Please share excited stuff. about right now. I mean, I think that certainly like we've kind of gotten to this point now where Platform just turned five years old this year that we're just excited about the idea of taking this concept to other places. I think for, for so long, we were scrambling to stabilize this asset and to get people excited about what we were doing here and to build this. And I feel like we finally hit this moment where it's operating properly, like people are excited about it. It's, it's just working financially that we're kind of like, okay, like we've done this and not again, like, like just resting back and we're like, okay, like let's just keep going with this. Like we're like, okay, like let's keep this moving. So the concept again, similar to my, my notion before of just like 
not liking the idea of replicating, you know, seeing the like, duplicitous mm-hmm. things all over the world. Like the idea is that as we create platforms in other markets, like they aren't cookie cutters of each other, that each one has its own architectural language and identity and merchandising, but there's common threads that tie it together that, that you know, create that similarity. And I think the other things that we're interested in is now is we've really kind of built this retail business. You know, we have two men's stores now. We have a women's store we just opened three months ago. We have three more concepts opening later this year is to really grow into to some of the premier retail operators in the world and, and build those businesses, not into just stores that exist at platform, but like are really internationally known brands. And so I think that we, we've been real estate developers, but I really now see ourselves as brand builders. And really, I think my dream is to create an everlasting brand that like our kids can, you know, take on like it's just like a generational business. Um, and I think I'm, I'm particularly curious about the intersection of sort of media and commerce and between physical experiences and digital experiences. The, you know, interesting thing about the past year and a half has been that, that, that all these things, I think that like we all lived in this very physical world and grew up there. And then the past year and a half, we've been living in like really a digital world to a large extent. And now we're coming back and I think people are very excited to be back actually doing real things. But you see, there was a, there was a glimpse into what that digital world might look like. And as people who are, you know, really invested in the physical world and think that it's like very important to have actual human interactions, you know, how can we build something more broad and all-encompassing that has both physical and digital? Obviously, we have platform has its website, all, all the stores sell online. That's like table mm-hmm. stakes at this point. But like, as we expand platform and our, our customers and our audience, how can we grow that through media, physical, obviously coming to the, the stores and, and the places, and then also digitally where it's, it's touching your life, even if you can't come that day, um, and growing that into something really meaningful. I think that the thing that unites both of our visions also is this idea of like, we have a, an intern, she's um, studying sustainability. And I said, what does that mean? You know, solar <laughs> things. And she goes, no, no, no. It's like, it's just building things that can last. And I think that we're both very interested in building things that last, not, you know, uh, building something and selling it to a SPAC. Um, but but We're definitely not interested in just being trendy for the moment, you know, or, or just being hot as an investment idea, but really like building these things properly that can last. And that's on the platform side. And then on this sort of, you know, brand side, um, how can we do something that's, that's more dimensional than just, you know, the physical space. That's what I've been thinking about a lot. When you're balancing and creating a space where people come because there are elements that are unique and special, how do you create the foundation of something being timeless with the juxtaposition of something feeling very new and very fresh and very relevant? I think it's it's kind of the, the truth is that all these properties are like truly living and breathing things. Like the idea that like things aren't stagnant, that the idea that things are always moving. And I think that from the very beginning of creating platform, it was like kind of before pop-ups and stuff Mm -hmm. like that became really popular. And a lot of developers were doing pop-ups really as 
kind of a band-aid where they were like, we can't lease our space. Like, who can we have just come fill it in and make it look like the property is vibrant? And for us, it was kind of like, no, we actually see these pop-ups as a strategic part of our business model because it allows us to keep the property relevant and fresh. And it gives us the idea that like every few months we can almost like curate the property like a magazine, like an editorial. Like what's what are we interested for spring? What are we interested in for winter? What's the interesting new brand at the moment? And to your point, it's like, again, like there's that combination between keeping something timeless and and classic without necessarily like getting like old and stale. And, and for us, it's kind of having this combination of typical real estate, which is like you have your tenants that are your long-term leases and they're signing these five or 10 year deals. And that also you have these tenants that are in for two or three months that keep things rotating and that, you know, you're, you're keeping things interesting. And so um, I think that's always been a really unique part of our business model with platform was that we were never afraid to have vacancy. Like for a lot of real estate developers, it was like, you want to just have everything like with credit tenants and long-term leases. And like, you don't like the idea of like having this uncertainty of like, who's going to be in your space in the next few months. And for us, it was like, that's the dream. Like we want to continue <laughs> to like move things around and see what's working and not. And, and, you know, really treat this as kind of this laboratory for, for the future of retail. But the piece that keeps it timeless is that there's a perspective. Right. So, so the, I, I think it was a really great question. Like the way that you keep things in line is by staying involved. Like David and I are, there's no partners. There's no financial partners trying to say, well, you got to do this. You got, it's like, it's us. And we've built an organization now that, you know, it, which is much more than us. It's, it's the Runyon, you know, team and their perspective, but it's a shared vision of, independent retail and really interesting and bringing interesting businesses, chefs, and retailers in. That's the perspective. And then that's how you keep it timeless. And then it's fresh because you're, you're, you're open to switching it up. And it's funny, I'm like, it's the same thing that we talked about in business. It's a comfort in being uncomfortable. The idea that like, I would always tell my wife, like this was four years ago, I was like, in June, Platform's just going to be running. It's going to be all good. <laughs> we, like, we just have to get, you know. There's always like, this hump that you had to like get to. If we just make it here. Yes, 100%. Like it was, it was the guys in the Andes who were yeah. lost in the plane. And they like, all they had to do was hike up to that thing and then they'd be over. And they get up and they're almost at the top. And then they get to the top and they're like, thank God we're free. And they look and there's like 20 more mountains. Yeah. You know, after a certain point, you just say like, that's okay. Unless we like think we figured out we liked it. We're like, yeah, that's that nervousness thing. Yeah. We're like, we don't want to get to that point where we're just like, that was, great, that was an incredible, real, that's a very sharp point. That was an incredible realization. When you, re, when you realize that like, you always think you want to go somewhere in life, right? I just, if I could just get there, I'll be happy. It's like the second you realize that that's all ridiculous and that it's sort of the journey itself that you're after. This is like very Phil Jackson-y. You're a Lakers fan <laughs> yes. if you've been down here. So you, you, you get to a point where you're just like, oh, like that's it. Like you're, you're, you're never there. It's the journey. That's the whole thing. That's, I guess people have figured that out before us. <laughs> How do both of you find ways to balance both creative and business? You no, know, that is always like the constant struggle because I think, and that's also kind of the beauty of our partnership is I tend to like get like taken over by the creative side where I like will deep dive into like all these like crazy ideas and like 
and Joey is plenty creative. Don't get me wrong, but like he also will bring it back to business. He'll be like, okay, like that's all great, but like we need to figure out how this is actually going to function and like how we're going to build this. Like yes, like you want to go crazy on like all the landscaping and all these crazy design things, but like ultimately you have to build something that is sustainable and that like economically makes sense. And so I think it's always like kind of this yin and yang of like pushing and pulling that has really worked. I mean, I remember like one of the first stories like was like when we built Platform, we were getting ready to open. We were probably like a few weeks away and like our landscaping got installed and we had probably over the years like value engineered like the, but it was like the most corporate like landscaping that had ever been like put into the like platform. We were like, this looks horrible. Like we can't do it. I remember like looking in here, I was like, this is horrible. Like we have to rip it out. And Joey's like, no, we just spent all this <laughs> money on it and did all this. And like, was like, we like are barely like doing this. And like, I kept like pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, like he capitulated like, like begrudgingly. And we like ripped out all the landscaping right before like platform did. And we did it. And now it's like kind of this incredible thing. Yeah, it's a signature. And it's, it's the signature of the property. And there's so many other examples of things that like I went crazy with that Joey was like, pulled me back and like, really strong decision. <laughs> but again, I think it's, again, this balance of, you know, never being afraid to like, you know, let that creative side lead, but knowing that ultimately you can't be an art project. This can't be something that like is so beautiful. And like, there's all these like really avant-garde interesting things, but that it's not commercial, that it doesn't financially make sense because, you know, we're not some rich billionaires that can just afford to like have this as like- One day. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. But, you know, it's the, that's the truth is like ultimately the decisions we make need to be kind of really kind of this calculated thing between like how do we make something that's beautiful, and nice, but how do we do it in a way that's cost effective and, and balances with the business plan? And it's, it's not just this like sort of David would be creative and I would be commercial or I would be creative and David would be commercial within each of us. Some of the best business insights I've gotten are from David who would be like, I guess if people met us off the street, they'd say he would be the more creative one and I'd be the more commercial one. And I think that some creative ideas that we've had, they've come from me. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a partnership issue where, where one needs to balance the other, but also internally being able to have both switches. Because if you just have one switch and the other partner has the other switch, you're gonna be in conflict all the time. But it's, you know, they say the light in me sees the light in you. Like, like we each have the little bit of light. I have light. a practical side too. He has a practical side and I have a creative side. So, so being able to see the argument, I think existing within the partnership in that way, but also within each person allows that balance to be achieved. And again, it's just through talking. Through talking and talking and talking, find a solution. And once, I'll tell you the, the last piece is that doesn't have to do with the question is, once we find an answer, we go. There's no hooing and hawing. And it was like, it, we were lost in the south of France, my wife and I, before, you know, iPhones worked around the world. And we had a map and we were like, I think I'm here, I think I'm here. And I'm like, I think we should take this road. And my wife, we were like probably 18 at the time. She was like, I don't know. She's like, we can go on that road, but I don't know if we should go on it. And I said, listen to me. I said, from now forever, here's how we do things. When we make a decision, that's it. We're together. That's it. We can go this way or this way, but we're doing it together. And and I've and there's no blaming. There's like, no blaming. Yeah. Like we went down the wrong road. You you told me to go down the like no. We've done that too in our part. We go together. Like whatever we make mistakes happens, or one of us let us down like quote unquote. Whatever. 
No, that's what I'm saying is we never like come back to each other and we're like, oh, like this was your idea. Yeah. Like, we, you know, it's just like, okay, we made this decision together and like, that's it. Yeah. So that was an unrelated question, but I felt it was important. <laughs> well, we're excited for you, for everything that you guys are building and Thank we'll be you. back, I'm sure. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah. What a yeah. beautiful operation you guys have here. Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, it was us. like a, yeah, no brainer. <laughs> that that, that's one thing I didn't have to think about. We came in and said, go. <laughs> it seems like therapy. <laughs> See, yeah. Uh, thank wonderful. you guys so much. <laughs> thank you.